0: Agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey everybody, I'm back. It is great to be with you. Thanks so much for your patience in waiting for this podcast. I've had several people that were like, um, hello, your podcast has been gone for too long and I, you know, made me feel good. I appreciate that. Thank you all for listening, for missing me. It's nice to be missed. I usually take off the month of December just to kind of reset, refocus, use that time for family and step back from the news and from talking about all the things that are happening in the world. So I did that as usual at the end of 2020, but then uh, the break extended a bit longer. And actually, I realized this earlier this week. I think this is the longest in eight years that I have gone without making a podcast, which is just kind of crazy. But so what had happened was I went uh took the Christmas December break, usual break from podcast, went home, visited family, came back from visiting family, was here for a few days and then was diagnosed with the dread disease. Yes, I have had the COVID. I have followed all of the guidelines by the Southern Nevada Health District. And I am now released, is the word I like to use. It is unbelievable what you will get from the Southern Nevada Health District if you receive a positive diagnosis of COVID. You essentially have to sign away. It's it's like they read you your rights, except they don't read them to you. They send them to you in various documentation. And then you have to sign off on all of this stuff, which includes that uh, leaving your home for any reason other than to obtain medical care is a misdemeanor a misdemeanor prior to the ten days, but then they don't really explain the the ten day things i and I struggled with this I did because i didn't want to commit misdemeanor, but is it ten days so so there's a variety of of things that they do uh that you have to comply with and then that's when you are determined to be released. It's either 10 days from the first day that you first had symptoms or 10 days from the day you had your test done. If you did not have symptoms or 14 days, if your test is negative uh, or 10 days, regardless of which 10 day you're following with three days of not having a fever prior to your being released. But here's my question. Did the 10 days start on the day, uh, of the uh, is that day 1 is day 1 the day you got tested and or the day that you uh, first showed symptoms and is day 10 is is day 10 the day you're allowed out or is it the day after day 10 so you're actually allowed out on day 11 these are these are things that my brain when it was all alone struggled with the conclusion that i made was that i would just err on the safe side but <laughs> it was I was like, I'm not going to go anywhere anyway. But the fact that it was then going to be a crime, if I did, I mean, perhaps we are taking this just a little bit too far into the into the anti-freedom side of things. My goodness. And had to sign off that the health district could come and visit you to ensure that you were in compliance at any time. I'm sorry, but it's a misdemeanor for me to leave my home, but you can come and visit me. It is so deadly... That if I step outside, <laughs> I have committed a crime. But it is safe for you to come to see me. I, I give up. I give up. And then there's the whole antibodies versus vaccine thing. Some people saying the antibodies will last 30 days. Some studies saying the antibodies will probably last years. So, and then there's the whole, well, don't get the vaccine if you've just had COVID. Because if you get the vaccine and you just had COVID, now it's going to mess everything up. And neither one is going to work. Like, what in the world? What, what is going? Ah, uh, but uh, you know, a lot of people, every everybody wants to know. Like, well, well, what were your symptoms? What was it like? Um, it wasn't for me. It was not terrible. Uh, it wasn't fun. I, I'll be honest with you. When I found out, um, I I found out that I'd been exposed, and uh, that my sister had a positive diagnosis on a Sunday morning. She's on East Coast time, so we got a text from her. It was about six a.m. I think. Out here, And uh, so I did not go to church or go anywhere else and scheduled myself to get a COVID test. So I, and I, I felt fine and I was like, this is going to be pretty great because I, I just come back two days, three days prior. I don't remember anymore. It's all kind of running together now uh, from, from my Christmas uh, vacation from work. So I just finished using up my Christmas vacation time. I just gotten back. I had tons of things to do around my house and I'm also, believe it or not, an introvert, so I in my mind, Sunday comes around, you know, I'm gonna watch church online, I'm gonna have ten days of me time. Just me and Jesus and the dogs, and I thought this was gonna be pretty great. I was like, you know what, hey, <laughs> this is like this is like an introvert's dream come true. I am I am restricted to the home front. Cool, not a problem here. I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna get stuff done, and uh, and Monday was was kind of like that. I had fun. I got stuff done. I was making progress, and and I was like, my test's gonna come back negative. But I'm gonna have to wait for my test to come back. So I was like, all right, I probably have till. Wednesday or Thursday so I got to get as much done as I possibly can between now and then because then I'm gonna be going back to work So I'm gonna have a limited amount of time got to enjoy it, but I was also working from home So I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta do work. I, so I'm planning my days. I'm getting all set. I'm like, this is gonna be great. I uh, I, <laughs> I Signed up for the free trial of Amazon Prime because I was like, okay, this is my time to binge watch stuff because I, I can't go anywhere or do anything except work and things that I want to do. So, and, and that turned out to be a great disappointment. I have to tell you, I have watched so much Andy Griffith, but I found very little else to watch on Amazon Prime. Anyhow, but then, then Tuesday came. Tuesday morning, I felt pretty good. I was like, this is this is going well. Then, Tuesday afternoon came, and uh, things changed. I, I got a fever. I got chills. I mean, all day, whew, I want to say probably 36 hours, I was on and off fever and chills. My temperature was all over the place. Felt miserable. Um, Like, flu-like miserable. Not like... I, I never really had trouble breathing. Sometimes I had some chest pain. Sometimes I had shortness of breath, but nothing to where it was ever an extended thing or anything where I ever felt like I was in danger or anything like that. Um... But, uh, so the main things for me were a sore throat. It actually started out with a sore throat. So, I think it was Monday afternoon I started getting a sore throat. But I didn't really think anything about it. Because, you know, you just, it's a sore throat. It's a regular thing. But then, uh, by Tuesday morning, it was like a blazing sore throat. Like, it hurt so bad. And uh, But even still, I was like, i got a sore throat. But then the whole fevers, chills, things. So I was like, oh, okay. And then, uh, and then I had a positive test result come back. I was like, alright, this is what this is." COVID. Um, then the fevers and chills, they subsided, and this overwhelming fatigue sets in. And you feel like you're 80 years old. And my apologies to anybody who is 80 years old, because I realize I've never actually been 80, so I have no idea what it actually feels like. But if I were to imagine what it were to feel like, this past, uh, the past 10 days that I spent dealing with that prior to coming back to work, that is what... I would imagine it would feel like. Um I I had a table that I set up in my living room because you know I was gonna be diligent. I was still gonna enjoy this time, I thought. It was not enjoyable, in case you were wondering. And I would take my laptop and I would set up my laptop on the table, sit on the couch, and do work. Um and <laughs> I would get about like 45 minutes to an hour's worth of work done. And then my head would just be killing me. I was, and I would be just so tired. I was so tired. And I, and I would get so frustrated because I was like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I needed to, I needed to do things. And then I would try to watch stuff on TV and I couldn't even really enjoy it because I didn't feel good. And it was just, oh, it was just, it was not fun. It was not the COVID vacation that I was hoping for. And I realize that that may sound crass, but I'm just trying to be real with you here. I, you know, I went into this thing like, okay, I'm young, I am healthy, I take vitamins, I eat pretty well. Um, You know, I'm not like going to Starbucks or Dairy Queen every day. I can't even, I don't even know the last time I went out to eat. Um, No, actually, I did go to Taco Bell that one time the other week. But, you know, th- but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I'm not, like, I eat fruit, I eat vegetables, I eat Chicken, I don't, I, I, you know, I did all, I would do all the things that you're supposed to do for COVID to not really be bad, and I, and, and comparatively speaking, all right, as I've have friends that have almost died from this that have spent weeks literally on a ventilator, but I, I guess when I think about COVID, I don't really think about the in between land. Like you're either in the hospital or it's nothing. And uh, my parents got it for my mom. It was pretty much nothing. Um, like a runny nose and she had a fever for a couple hours and that was it. That was it for her. Um, my dad had more aches and pains and stuff more like I did, but I, I didn't really think about the in-between land, but, uh, yeah. So the main thing was the fatigue for me, uh, the sore throat, I got really weird ear aches. The ear aches were pretty regular for me, um, and headaches, but, uh, the, the big one really was, was fatigue. It was just, it was, I, I was so tired. I never thought that as an adult I would look forward to the day when I did not need to or want to take a nap. Like I was, I I have watched more television in the past, like this year, than I I I don't even know the last time I watched so much TV. I watched so much Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Colgate Comedy Hour, um, and uh, and Shark Tank that and 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 I read um, the Blackard Chronicles. That Phil Lawler. It's very fascinating, actually. If you're an Adventures and Odyssey um, nerd like me, you'll, you'll appreciate them. But, and that's... Then that pretty much summarizes Crystal. <laughs> you, there's so much you now know about me if you realize that the way that I spent my COVID days was watching Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis on the Colgate Comedy Hour Shark Tank and uh, reading the Blacker Chronicles and spending time with my dogs. You now know me. Okay, that's, you, you, (laughs) you have an inside look at my life. (laughs) And also reading my Bible and praying, of course. I mean, and and all seriousness, I did do that. I'm trying to finish up my 2020 Bible reading plan. I almost always uh, finish my Bible through the year plan in (laughs) February of the following year. And really, if you think about it, if I'm starting in February, and ending in February, it's still Bible in a year, it just didn't start at the right time. But anyhow. Huh. Okay. Now you know all about COVID. I took entirely too much time telling you about that, but I've had a lot of people ask, a lot of people ask what the symptoms were like. It was for me, it was basically like having the flu, but with some other weird stuff. And with, uh, I didn't have any like vomiting or anything like that, but the fatigue is the big thing. And, um, I'd say right now I'm, I I am probably functioning about seventy five percent. I've uh, read a lot and heard a lot from different people that have had it. That it it takes a while to get back completely, um, but uh, I feel a bazillion times better if bazillion is a word than I did uh, two weeks ago. So good to be back. But that's why there hasn't been a longer period of time that I haven't had a podcast. I thought about recording one from home. But it just was not, uh, I, I I almost did one day, and then I was just so tired, I couldn't do it. So, but we are back now, and I realize that I have missed all kinds of stuff. So, <laughs> so many, I, I, uh, okay. Let me just say one thing before I get into all of this. Please step away from everything that I, I, oh. I just want to cry sometimes... When I read the things that people post on social media... Or the things that people believe... And um, on, on, on both sides of the aisle... Like it's just... It's so... Good people are so easily... Deceived... And I... Please don't share things... Before they are verified... Let's put that out there... Um, And, and just as a reminder... Okay, we're going to get into the whole... We're, I'm just going to jump in here. We're going to talk about the whole storming of the Capitol and the inauguration and everything else, and now nobody can go to Biden's inauguration. Everything is closed down. Um, nobody, no, nobody was going to attend Biden's inauguration anyway. I mean, did you see any of his rallies? But now now they have an excuse for it. Like, nobody was allowed to come. Yeah, nobody was going to come anyway, except for protesters. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> See, this is why sometimes I think I shouldn't be on the radio, because I say things that get me in trouble. Um, all right, so let's start with this whole, it was all Antifa, or it was all Q, or it was all Trump supporters. Okay. None of these statements are accurate, guys. None of them are accurate. It was not all Antifa that stormed the Capitol. It was not all Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol. Uh, All Trump supporters, by the way, do not support the storming of the Capitol. And just because you voted for Donald Trump does not actually make you responsible for those who very foolishly did storm the capital. And then there are the issues of well it does appear that some of the capital police are welcoming the protesters into the capital and allowing this to happen. And there that is a legitimate concern that needs to be looked into and there are capital police that are currently under investigation. But, you know, to to what I saw the most following this capital situation was the whole, my side never does anything bad, so it must be all your side that is doing this from people. Okay, it was the whole issue of, well, no, it was it was a peaceful rally. Um, They were singing hymns and everything was good and it was all Antifa or it was, look, these are what Trump supporters are like. These are what Christians are like. This is the danger to our country. This is what we've been telling you is that all the Trump people, all the Christians are like this. And so therefore they are bad and evil and we must silence them and snuff them out. And now, depending on which side of the aisle you fall on, you probably are having a very strong response to one of those statements and possibly not as strong of a response to the other one, when in reality, you should be rejecting both. What happened at the Capitol was this, and I'm going to oversimplify things so that this podcast is not three hours long. What happened at the Capitol was this, there were some bad people. Who had nefarious plans and who wanted to do things, who wanted to potentially take prisoners, who were looking, actively looking for elected government officials, and who had plans that were not good. And we are still in the process of determining who all those people were. We know for a fact that there were some Antifa there. We know for a fact that there were some BLM there that were attempting to stir things up as well. We also know for a fact that there were Trump supporters there that were either having nefarious aims or caught up in the moment. I, I can't speak to that, but what I can tell you is that this was not a single group of people. This was a conglomerate of people I would argue, uh, bad people that had nefarious aims, as well as people that did not have nefarious aims going into the situation, but got swept up in a moment and became part of a a situation that is now going to have consequences for the rest of their lives. But if if you're taking to social media saying, (laughs) every time and this, this happens to me, I have friends that every time, every time a new uh, article is released that says this person was Antifa. I, I get that article sent to me, and it, like a see, 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 it was only them. And I have the flip side in my social media feed of every time there's a Trump supporter that gets taken out, people are blasting this at me, saying see, 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 it was all them. No, it it was, it was a mixture. And for for us to sit back and say, well, no, it was only them. It was only them because all of the Trump supporters that were there were good and peace-loving and singing hymns. Okay, let me tell you something. Not everybody thinks like you, all right? You may agree on some things, but not everyone who shares your political party or your political preferences Thinks like you. Not every person that supports Donald Trump is a Bible thumping, Bible-believing Baptist that never even got sent to the principal's office because they loved Jesus their whole lives. That is not every Trump supporter. And the opposite would also be true if for those of you on the side of, of the anti-Trump side, okay? Not every Trump supporter is evil. Not everyone who voted for Donald Trump. Believes that what happened at the Capitol was right In fact, if you actually take a step back You will see that the vast majority Of what happened on uh, I think it was the 6th of January um, in the In the protest And the crowd that Trump addressed By far I mean an overwhelming amount of people That did not storm the Capitol That did not participate in that madness Of Trump supporters Not everyone is like that but I will say this, every person that invaded the Capitol, in my opinion, should be prosecuted. I don't care if the police opened barriers, I don't care if Antifa started it. I don't care if you think Crazy Horns guy is related to the Kennedys or if you think he's Antifa or if you have proof that he's a Trump supporter because by the way, I have seen all of these things. I have seen all of your conspiracies, I have read all of your facts. <clears throat> I, I I don't care. I don't care who they were, that behavior as an American is unacceptable. And frankly, it is incredible to me that we did not see dozens, if not hundreds, of people killed. I, it, because the, the job of the Capitol Police is to protect the Capitol. I don't know why that wasn't happening. I don't know why barriers were opened. I don't know why there wasn't more tear gas. I, I do care, though, to know why and how these people got in. That is a question that we need to address. Because overrunning the Capitol was entirely too simple. There's there's that's where I that's where I have my main problems. Like that was way too easy. Nicolas Cage stealing the Declaration of Independence looks so incredibly feasible now that I have seen the Capitol overrun like this. I mean it is insane. And you see guys in there that have zip tie restraints and and the one the one guy that was caught with them said, Oh, he found them on the floor and picked them up that that could be and he was just going to turn him in maybe but then you have other people that clearly entered the building with zip tie restraints now i don't i'm 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 not an investigator i'm not in the fbi or anything like that but i got to tell you that's not a great look when you're storming the building where our elected officials are at and you are taking zip tie restraints with you i I can see how that would be concerning, and I think that those are the questions that we should be focusing on. Not, I, I think that we are way too concerned with, my team wasn't part of that, it was all your team, instead of saying, whoa, 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 look at how easily that happened. That is a problem, and that is something that we need to have some very hard conversations about. Another hard conversation we need to have is this whole idea of the world is coming to an end. Our freedoms are gone. America is dead and over. Communism rules. All right, well, first of all, you all are Debbie Downers and you have no faith. I mean, this country elected Donald Trump four years ago, okay? We are going to have another election in two years. And then some of you are going to be like, but it doesn't matter because they won't count our votes anyway. Okay, well, that's just a defeatist attitude. Take a step back from your conspiracies for a second. That could happen. But what if it doesn't? What if maybe, maybe just just some parts of the conspiracies are wrong? What if actually, what if actually, the same amount of people that voted for Donald Trump in the general election had voted for the Republicans running for Senate in the special elections? You know what would have happened? The Republicans would have won both races. But instead what we did was we focused on oh the Georgia's Georgia's elected Republican officials, which, by the way, have governed well in a in a in a term of republicanism, if you will. I'm I'm not I'm not getting into like the whole personal issues and stuff, but the <sighs> The people that we once thought were the good guys, now we villainize them and say that the election process is rigged and terrible and they can't be trusted and we're going to remove people because they can't be trusted because they don't support us and blah 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 blah. So instead of focusing on actually uh, what was going on in Georgia and being supportive and pushing out uh, the vote, what we saw was more than 200,000 fewer votes. For Purdue, than Trump got in Georgia, and about three—not uh, quite three hundred, almost three hundred thousand votes fewer votes for Lawler than Trump got in Georgia. Now, Lawler, granted, was not a great candidate, and Republican Party has a problem with running not great candidates. But the Democratic candidates in these races were abysmal, okay? If you voted for Donald Trump in the general election, there was zero reason not to vote for Perdue or Loeffler. And yet by the hundreds of thousands, they both lost. And you could argue, well, that's because of the of the fraud. And I would argue... No, it wasn't because of the fraud. It was because instead of focusing on winning those races, we spent weeks saying that elections uh, are rigged and that the Georgia election officials, Republicans, and the Georgia governor, Republican, are terrible people that cannot be trusted. And so Republicans, and more specifically people that voted for Donald Trump, stayed home by the tens of thousands, and that is how we got the results that we got. Not because Ossoff or Warnock are good candidates, or even that people like them, but because people that voted for Donald Trump did not vote for Perdue and Loeffler. They would have won overwhelmingly. <laughs> Is, uh, do, do you understand my frustration with this? We're, we're fighting the wrong battles, and then we're saying, well, it just, it was not even going to matter. Because we're just going to be communists. Here's the thing, okay? Um, I I I agree that what has happened in our country and the direction that our country is headed is concerning. But I I disagree that we are becoming communist China. I do think that we are headed towards socialism. I, I don't have the time to explain the difference between socialism and communism right now because, again, I'm trying to go three hours. I'm trying to finish and let an hour here. But I don't, I don't foresee us becoming communist China. I do think that we are becoming a Europeanized country. Personally, I don't want to be Europe. I don't want a ridiculously high tax rate so that I can receive subpar services for free. But guess what, guys? People have lived that way for years. Centuries even. It is not the American way as we know it. America has not lived in a socialist uh, system. It has not worked here. But as I I believe it was Franklin said, our Constitution was made holy for a moral and religious people. That is not the definition of our country any longer. So if you want America to be the America you have known, then what you need to be focusing on is the fact that your country is not a moral and religious people anymore. And so your constitution does not work to govern a people that is not wholly moral, and religious. That is why you are seeing this drift to socialism. Is it the end of the world? Well, the temple has to be rebuilt. Have you seen that happening lately? Let me know. Okay? Because when Hitler, the Antichrist, came to power, that was the end of the world. Or most certainly, at least, when Israel became a state. Or, Or shall we go back further? Say when, you know, Nero... The Antichrist was burning Christians for sport in his courtyards. My, my point is, it's been the end of the world since Jesus came, okay? So, yes, we are closer now to the end of the world than we've ever been, but I don't necessarily believe that we are living in the end of the world. What we may be living in is the end of America as we know it, but this does not equate to, oh my goodness, Jesus is coming back now because America is, is suffering, we have such a narrow simplistic view of the world get out a globe okay spin it around god cares just about as much god cares just as much about what's happening in africa just as much about what's happening in china just as much about what's happening in the middle east just as much about what's happening in the himalayan mountains as he does about what's happening in our country okay god's timetable is not based on what is happening in the united states of america god is god is global and the history of the world has shown far 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 greater persecution of christians far more severe uh falls of nations than what we are seeing so so please don't fall into this doomsday idea of well if america if america loses its freedom it's the end of the world no it's it could be the end of america as you know it but it doesn't mean that jesus is coming back tomorrow he might but i i i i don't think that's where we're at and i I could be wrong you can call me a false prophet in heaven if i am and i'll be okay with that because i don't think that jesus is going to let you do that to me but it whatever But I, I I don't think that what we should be focusing on is this doomsday mentality. I think what we should be focusing on is the fact that if the same amount of people had turned out to vote, we wouldn't have the results that we had today. Or or maybe the fact that for the first time ever, we have more people, uh, when polled nationwide, that are opposed to abortion than we have people that support it. First time ever! But 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 Christians aren't talking about that we're talking about the end of the world because Joe Biden has won the election and then and then <laughs> and then you have the the flip side of this then you have the people that are that are just they are righteous and uh they are dramatically announcing that they are leaving the GOP to 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 register as an independent because this is the Christian thing to do because we must reject everything that republicanism stands for because look at what republicans did at the capitol right because you know of the of the two and a half essentially million people that voted for donald trump all of them were definitely storming the capitol and all of them are so supportive of that no false false and I, I personally know several individuals that did this. And what, what, what cracks me up is that you have Democrats. Uh, I, I saw this played out in, in, a, in, a, in a political arena that I used to be in, shall we say. I, I am friends with people um, from a political life that I used to live. And uh, they, they were in GOP when I was there with them. But they have been never Trump since day one, since the first time he ran. Uh, many of them voting for Hillary against Trump because they were never Trumpers back then, and then uh, many of them voting for Biden this time because they've been never Trump the whole time. This isn't uh, so. And then, and then after the storm of the Capitol, then they go online to say we reject Trump and we reject this form of Republicanism, and I'm becoming an independent because I am righteous. No, no, you haven't liked the guy since day one. Nobody is surprised by this. It's not shocking. It's attention-seeking grandstanding. And this sort of thing is happening all over the place. Everybody's so... <laughs> I think there's... Uh, you're, huh. Holiness has nothing to do with a political party, okay? And yeah, I, you know what? I, I voted for Donald Trump twice. The first time, because I, I thought it was simply outlandish. To not vote for him given the alternative. But I didn't necessarily encourage other people to vote for him. If you go back and listen to my old podcast, you can even find me on CNN debating Trump supporters about if he was the right choice in the primary. I didn't believe that he was. I, Frankly, am I allowed to say it? I still don't think that he was our best choice for Republicans in 2016. I, I don't. You know, as a Republican, I was overruled and he became our candidate and he was the alternative to Hillary Clinton. And so I voted for Trump solely because he was the alternative to Hillary Clinton. The second time I voted for him because he governed well. Did I agree with him on everything? No, absolutely not. And again, if you've ever listened to my podcast, you know this, but he governed well. Donald Trump did more to advance actual conservative principles during his time as president than I have seen happen in my lifetime. Okay? Now, maybe Reagan, but I was a baby then, so I don't really count that, okay? In my adult lifetime. In my voting lifetime. And I gotta tell you, I was... I was pleased with what he accomplished as president. I, I appreciated having uh, lower taxes and more money in my paycheck. I appreciated that the price of gasoline went down. I appreciated that my parents were able to to grow their small business and not be penalized for it constantly like they were under previous administrations. But if you voted for Biden because it was the Christian thing to do, I will never understand that. I will I, personally, I cannot ever. I don't care what affiliation they are, but I cannot ever vote for someone who justifies the murder of innocent children by the tens of thousands. And you might say that's narrow-minded and makes me a one-issue voter. Yes, I embrace that. Yes, I am a one-issue voter. Abortion is a hill I will die on, and history will prove me right, as science already has, that life begins at conception and that abortion is murder. Okay? So voting for a candidate who supports abortion, especially one who supports all manners of abortion and claims to be Christian, that's, that's just downright evil. So so voting for Biden because it was the the morally right thing to do I I think we have a big problem there. I think we have a problem when people are using their faith as an excuse or a cop out. You know, God's in control. God's in control and I just have to I have to pick the the morally right choice and and I just can't support someone who would who would say things that are not kind or, or loving. So you, so you're going to vote for the guy that supports abortion? Or, 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 or even the, uh, this cop out is even better. You take to the, the social medias and you write a, a dissertation on why, why you love Jesus and politics. They just don't matter as much as the rest of you think that they do because, because, you're a Christian, and so act like a Christian. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you shouldn't be involved. It means that you should be more involved. And you should be more involved in making change happen. And where change happens is in your home, in your school, and in your neighborhood. Stop saying that God is my king and Christians shouldn't be worried about or involved in politics. Stop stop with the whole Christian nationalism is wrong unless you can define for me, please, what you mean by this. Because if you look at the common definitions uh, circulating right now regarding uh, Christian nationalism and how it is being defined by those who are pushing this narrative this is, this is what uh, Paul uh, Miller okay? Paul Miller was interviewed for Christianity Today and they asked him to define Christian nationalism this is, what he, this is what he says it is Christian nationalism believes that the American nation is defined by Christianity and the government should take steps to keep it that way to sustain and maintain our Christian heritage that we should sustain and continue our identity as a Christian nation. It advocates a fusion of Christianity with American civic life. So if you're defining Christian if 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 people who are speaking and being interviewed as experts on what Christian nationalism is are defining Christian nationalism as uh, people that believe that we should sustain and maintain our Christian heritage and that America should uh, should be governed in a way that is consistent with the Bible then i don't think that <laughs> i don't think that that's something that as a christian you should be going out there and saying actually no that's that's very bad christian nationalism boo hoo evil ugh if the definition of christian nationalism is someone who believes that America was founded on Christian principles and that the best option for our country is for it to continue to function governed in such a way that would be consistent with Christianity. But if you believe by Christian nationalism that, that, that if that definition for you is blind support of Donald Trump or blind support of Joe Biden or simply meaning that believing my side and my guy is right and the other guy is always wrong, then yes, that's a problem. I would wholeheartedly refute that that mindset. But instead of just embracing the woke term, maybe you should find out what, the, what, what they're meaning by the term that you're using, whether you're embracing it or not embracing it. And then, please, biblically, show for me, show for me, show to me, show to me in your Bible what you mean by Christian nationalism and what you mean by it being wrong or right. Show me in your Bible. That's all I'm asking. If, if you're going to enter into this argument of Christian nationalism, please do it biblically. And show me why you believe in the Bible, why it is right or why it is wrong. And define it. You have to define what you believe Christian nationalism is. Because if Christian nationalism is in fact the belief that America was founded on biblical principles and that America should and will do best if she maintains that Christian heritage upon which she was built? Then consider me a Christian nationalist. Because our founders, <laughs> our founders said America is an experiment and it won't work if it's not a Christian nation. So yeah, I agree with the founding fathers. You, you, I'll probably get banned from Twitter next which by the way <laughs> even Angela Merkel, Angela Markle who I never thought I would agree with on anything what is, let me see if I can find her actual quote she said the right to freedom of opinion is of fundamental importance given that oh this was a spokesperson actually said this given that the Chancellor considers it problematic that the President's accounts have been permanently suspended Yes, problematic, yes. Even Jack, the guy that runs Twitter, is now questioning his decision. That might have something to do with the fact that his market shares have plummeted. And polls planning to make censoring of social media accounts illegal. Uh, You will not be able... Posts will be protected, and accounts will be protected as long as laws have not been violated. And some would argue that laws have been violated, but that will be determined. I don't have time today. Sorry, I'm trying to wrap this up real quick here. Um... I don't have time today to get into the whole Trump impeachment thing. Perhaps we'll talk about that uh, next week. But let me leave you with this, because people are saying, "Well, what do we do now? What is the what is the answer? What is the solution?" Let me let me just explain this to you, okay? The reason that the the left is behaving in the way that they are, lar- by and large, okay is because, and and this is going to be hard for some of you to to embrace, but just, just hear me out on this one, but they legitimately believe that you are a Nazi. They legitimately believe that you are a threat to a civil society. They legitimately believe that silencing you is good for the country because they legi- legitimately believe that you are dangerous. They believe you are the enemy and they believe that they are doing our country and this world a favor by either A, educating you so that you are, learn to see things the quote unquote right way. Or B, if you won't be educated, then you should be silenced. Just as fervently that you believe that abortion is wrong, they believe that abortion is right. And they believe that you're an animal for thinking anything different. Just like you believe that they are uh, exhibiting animal tendencies to believe that it is right. And this isn't something... That, this is where I think people lose their way. Is in failing to recognize that the, the belief that you hold dear, that you legitimately cling to, that you think, how can anyone not see this? How blind can they be? The other side that takes the other opposite opinion as you is looking at the same issue and saying, how do they not see this? How can they possibly believe that this is not right? And it is a legitimately held belief. And both sides will tell you, but my side has facts and truth. And the other side will say, but no, my side has facts and truth. It is a legitimate belief system. I'm not, I'm not saying that the, the, the belief system is correct. I'm saying that it is a belief that they legitimately hold. It's not something that they're, they're donning to try and score political points. They actually believe this. No matter which side you're on, the opposite side actually believes what they are saying. We wouldn't have the struggles that we have in our country today if people didn't actually believe the things that they're, 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 um, uh, oh, good grief, I can't think of the word, embracing and espousing, whatever, whatever. You but the other side, right now, thinks that conservatives, and it hasn't helped anything that it was a Trump rally that led to the storming of the Capitol because now they look at that and they say, see, this is what Trump supporters are like. And this is why, by the way, we have to be so, so, so careful with how we live as Christians. Because what we've seen this this past uh, week or so is people pointing at what happened and saying, see, this is what Trump supporters are like. And now because of the actions of a few... Everyone that's ever voted for Donald Trump, even if you didn't support him, but you voted for him because you just thought he was the better choice, given the options, no, no, now you are like this, now you are a seditionist, insurrectionist, and all these other terms, terrorist, which, by the way, uh, if you go and look up the definitions of all those terms, all the terms that are applying to people that stormed the Capitol could also be applied, uh, I think, except for insurrection, but I believe sedition terrorism can also be applied to every single uh, uh, protest that turned violent anywhere where there was any kind of looting burning uh, over the summer in all of that protesting same exact words can, be, can define both except I believe uh, insurrection but sedition terrorism works both ways And by the way, if you thought one was wrong, you should think the other one is wrong. If you thought storming the Capitol was wrong, you should think that what happened over the summer was wrong. If you think what happened over the summer was wrong, you should think that storming the Capitol was wrong. But that shouldn't even need to be said. But so what do we do? If you are a Christian, what do you do? Well, the first thing that you need to do is understand that right now, you are being looked at as an enemy, that the left legitimately believes that you are a threat, that you are a danger, that's why you're being silenced if you're being silenced. They consider you an enemy. So what do you do when someone considers you the enemy? I think a good place to start is in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus tells us about ways that we can be Blessed and experience God's blessing and I think at this point in what's happening in our lives in our country That is a, is a good thing for us to to aspire to at any time But particularly now we're like we want God's blessing, right? So there's a whole list of how we can be blessed and then it talks about how we interact with our fellow man Including those who consider us uh, their enemy Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven for my sake. Now, I want to pause right there. Isn't it interesting that Jesus starts with what we can do? This is what we can do. We can be poor in spirit. We can mourn. We can be meek. We can hunger and thirst for righteousness. We can be merciful. We need to be pure in heart. We're to be peacemakers. And if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, not because of things that we do, not because of it's not being persecuted for righteousness' sake if you, if you storm the Capitol. That's, you're getting just reward for what you have done. Blessed are you, though, if you are persecuted, if when evil is said against you for the sake of Jesus. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, if the salt has done something that is not salty, Wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Be careful. Be careful that your political opinions aren't causing you to lose your saltiness. Be careful that your continual posting on social media, disparaging one or way or another, aren't causing you to lose your saltiness so that people are tuning you out or putting you on mute so that they don't want to see what you have to say about anything anymore. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. How? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are you making a difference in your neighborhood and your community? Good works don't earn you salvation, and they never will, but they are how people know and see your faith in action. And I'm going to skip down. I, I really wanted to go through this whole chapter today and talk about it, but I, I'm really trying to keep this podcast under an hour. So uh, let me jump down. It talks about um, your brother being angry with you. Um, if you remember that your brother has something against you, bring your gift to the altar. Uh, and then it goes into, into adultery, offending. If you cause offense, if your right hand causes offense, cut it off. It talks about uh, divorce. Um, it talks about making oaths and, uh, and to not do that. But to let your communication be yea, yea, and nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will see you at the law, and take away your coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. You have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. So what do you do when people look at you and what they see is the enemy? Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even publicans so? Be therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So what do we do? Number one, we do what Jesus said. We love people. We bless them. We pray for them. And we strive to be perfect in the manner in which God is perfect. Obviously, we won't obtain actual perfection until we reach heaven. But he makes his sun to rise on the evil and the good. Sends rain on the just and the unjust. Don't just love them which love you. You want your light to shine? Then you do good works for people that think differently than you. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. It's true. Do people know that you care? So that's the first step. And then I think the second step bringing it more more home if you will is that we need to make disciples i'm i'm not going to rehash this because i think that david barton did a fantastic job said everything that I would have wanted to say. Uh, he recently did a, a series, and they broadcasted on Wall Builders Live, so you can go look up uh, Wall Builders Live, and it's a, it, I believe it's a four-part series um, that he did. But the third part of his uh, Run to the Roar podcast, he talks about discipleship, and he talks about how, as Christians in America, uh, we have taken... Largely speaking, we have taken the Great Commission and we have used that to push uh, evangelism, not only here in this country but around the world, and that's a good thing because we are supposed to uh, evangelize. But the, the Great Commission isn't really about evangelism. Uh, getting someone saved is, is step one, and he that wins souls is wise, but the Great Commission is to go and to make disciples and to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And And I think and and Barton does a fantastic job of this so go listen to, to his cuz I'm going to wrap things up here very quickly but we we have we have more mega churches in America and more churches in America than ever before but we have fewer Christians than ever before and of the Christians even fewer of those individuals that actually hold to a biblical worldview. So we have people that espouse the name of Christ that do not have a biblical worldview. Why is that? It's because we aren't making disciples. And part of that problem is that for many churches, the discipleship program is simply, you know... Uh, a few weeks or a few months study where we go over uh, whatever denomination it is, goes over the the essentials of the faith that are essential to that uh, denomination. So maybe uh, instruction about baptism or instruction about who the Holy Spirit is or instruction about spiritual gifts. And those are good things. But really, uh, when we do discipleship, our discipleship... Largely speaking, in most American churches is focused on whatever that denomination, or that flavor of Christianity feels are the, the fundamentals of the faith. And, and that's good and that's necessary. But is it really making disciples when Jesus said, teach them all the things? That's, that's the essence of what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission. Don't, don't, just, don't just introduce people to me. You've got to teach them how to live. That's what making disciples is about. And that's what we are called to do. The Great Commission wasn't something that was given to the 12 disciples. The Great Commission was something that was given to everyone that was there. To everyone that followed Jesus. Our job is not necessarily to make converts. But you have to have a convert to make a disciple. But our job is to make disciples disciples. And disciples are not simply those who are saved. Disciples are not simply those who are saved and have gone through a a few-month program that introduces them to the fundamentals of the faith as per the persuasion of whatever denomination they happen to come into. No, a disciple is someone who knows Jesus, who understands uh, the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus taught about a whole lot more than just than just going to church, which by the way, Jesus only uses the word church three times. Did you know that he talks about the kingdom a lot, but church he only mentions three times. That's a side note. I'll also, compare how he uses Pharisees and publicans in Matthew five. Very fascinating study there too. Anyhow, just little little nuggets for those of you that want to go do some deeper digging. But Jesus talks about taxes. Jesus talks about divorce and and family relationships. He talks about the government. He talks about uh, uh, fair compensation. He talks about the issues that are facing our world today that people look at and say, okay, well, if I'm a conservative, then I think this way about it. And if I'm a Democrat, I think this way about that issue. When what we should be doing is teaching people to think biblically. If I am a Christian, I think this way about this issue. And it does not matter what Republicans say about it or what Democrats say about it. This is what I think about it. This is what I believe because this is what Jesus taught. This is what the Bible says. That is what making disciples is. And it starts in your home with your children, with your nieces, with your nephews, in in your Sunday school classrooms. It starts in your your Christian school classrooms or whatever classrooms. Uh, They're not going to get it in public school. So if your kids are going to public school, you have to disciple them at home. You have to teach them to think biblically. Because thinking biblically, thinking in a way and understanding what Jesus taught about life, not just about Salvation, not just about the basics of the Bible, yes, that is key and foundational, but being a disciple of Jesus is thinking like Jesus in all facets of life, whether it's related to to politics or to, to the Bible, it doesn't matter what it is. The Bible addresses it, and you have to be able to think biblically. And you might say, well, the Bible does not say, thou shaltest not go over 65 miles an hour. So therefore, your argument is faulty. Okay. The Bible does talk about, however, authority. In fact, the Bible has a whole lot to say about authority and what to do when authorities are wrong, and what authority is in place for, and how we are to honor it, and if there is cause to oppose the authority, and how that should be handled. That's all in the Bible. So, yes, the Bible does not address whether or not thou shaltest uh, go to Walmart or Target. No, no. But the Bible does talk about the, the issues, broadly speaking, and I would argue every issue, broadly speaking, that is considered a main platform issue of either political party, Jesus has something to say about it. The Bible talks about it. And for us to make disciples, for us to to change the direction of our country, we have to make disciples. And disciples are individuals who think like Jesus. That was the whole point of being a disciple. It wasn't so that you could now point to different verses in the Bible and and recite them. And now you know John 3.16, so now you are a disciple. No. No, 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 no. Discipleship? The whole idea of being a disciple was these, these boys would follow around their rabbi for years. Everywhere their rabbi went, they went. Everything their rabbi did, they did. Everything the rabbi ate, they ate. If the rabbi was sleeping, they were sleeping. If the rabbi was walking, they were walking. If the rabbi was doing it, they were doing it because the whole purpose of being a disciple was to be just like their rabbi so that one day they could be a rabbi too. But they didn't achieve that goal until they were just like their rabbi. So if you want to make a disciple, find somebody, anybody, and help develop in them a biblical worldview. About everything. About life. That is the, that is the discipleship to its fullest. Is, is you being so close to Jesus and so knowing your Bible that you can then go to someone else and you can teach them how to think about life biblically. And when you have a nation of people that are thinking about life biblically and that are filtering issues not through a political party but through the pages of scripture that's when you change a heart, that's when you change a life that's how you change communities, that's how you change a country. And that's that's it. That's the podcast. Sorry, I know it's a, it's a long one, it's about twice as long as I usually try to go, but There was a lot to cover been gone for a while hope that was a blessing and encouragement to you if you have questions or comments or topics that you say hey can you talk about this what about this what about that send them to me you can find me on facebook or twitter i i experienced the twitter purge i don't know how i should ever survive lost like 300 followers in two days it was incredible (laughs) so if you want to go follow me there do that um Yeah, Facebook, Twitter, at The Frittle. Find me there. Send me your thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, and I would be happy to go over those. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we will see you back here, same time, same place, next week.